Good morning. I'm Joe Collins and welcome to See Me Church. Our mission is to love God and neighbor one household at a time. We are a group of ordinary people who believe in the extraordinary message of Jesus Christ. So no matter who you are or what your story, we're glad you're here. You know, last week we had a fantastic time meeting in person for only the second time in 15 weeks. I really want to say thank you to everyone who participated and attended, and I look forward to future meetings uh, as we go forward, uh, re slowly reopening and coming back together for in-person church. I also want to thank those of you who joined us online. As we understand, not everybody is able to meet together in person, but it is great to know that we're all still fellowshipping with one another. Today, we're going to be having online church. My good friend Ron Hammer is going to be preaching, and he's going to be talking about the importance of our relationships within the church. You know, one of the great things about having online church is I'm able to introduce you to many of my friends from all over the world, and you can hear messages uh, from them, and we can all be edified together. After Ron's lesson, Lynette's going to lead our thoughts in communion, and then I'm going to come back and close things out, and we'll be done. But before I go any further, let's say a prayer. Father, it is so great to be together this morning. I pray that you're with us even though we are separate physically, that we are together in emotionally and spiritually in, in, in connected in that way. I pray that you bless Ron and speak through him. Help him to lead us in, a, in, in the lesson today and inspire us, encourage us. Help us to rethink our relationships in the church and what they should and could be. God, we know that there's so much unrest and, and discourse that's going on in the world around us, and so much, so much of it is so important, God. I pray that you let the cream rise to the top, that we, we walk, what we get out of this whole uh, experience that we're going through is that we need to be better for each other. And that is so true of our relationships in the church. Bless our time this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. stars above deeper than the sea God's love bigger than the biggest mountain bigger than my biggest fear so don't forget God's love is mine. there's a lot going on in the world right now there's a lot of things that are causing us stress that are causing us angst, that are going on outside. But this morning, I want to talk about what's going on inside. And by inside, I mean inside the church. This morning's a sermon about how we're doing in our relationships within the church. God designed His church to be a family an outpost, an example of life in heaven here on earth. Our relationships should be different. It should reflect something unique, something more than what the world has to offer. The title of the sermon today is Being Rooted and Established in Love. God's church is not made up of perfect people. And we bring all of our baggage, all of our history, everything with us when we come on in to God's family. It would be nice if we just woke up one morning and all that history was resolved. 
And yet that's not the way it works. And yet what a powerful testimony we have the opportunity to be in our world as we function differently in our relationships. The book of Ephesians, Paul is addressing challenges similar to what we're going through today. There was massive tension between Jew and Gentile. And those converts to Christianity brought in those histories, those prejudices into the church, and they didn't get worked out easily. And Paul is ministering to the church saying, you must treat each other differently. For God's goal is to bring one new family, one new humanity, work that he is going to do. I'd like to start by reading in Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 14 through 18, Paul says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Paul proclaims what is the first point of our sermon today. He himself is our peace. Paul says Jesus is our peace. He is our reconciler. He's the access point. He's the cornerstone. Jesus is the one that we look to, is the model. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, and it's Jesus who's done this incredible work in the church. Paul says that Jesus destroyed the barrier, that Jesus destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. It's a fact. It's been done. Jesus accomplished this work to bring about unity over 2,000 years ago. Well, the question remains for us this morning is that if Jesus has already accomplished this work, this destruction of the dividing wall of hostility, then why do we still feel angst? Why are we experiencing hostility? Now remember, this is not a sermon about what's going on out there in our world, although there is a lot of painful stuff that needs to change. There needs to be a different way of living. But this morning, we're talking about relationships in the church. We're talking about how we treat one another. And this was the context of the book of Ephesians. 
The book of Ephesians was not a sermon that Paul wrote to the church about what was going on in the world. It was what was going on relationally in the church. And Paul wanted these Jew and Gentile converts to Christianity to be reminded that Jesus already destroyed the dividing wall. That he destroyed this wall of hostility. And yet it's evident in the church in Ephesus, the disciples were experiencing angst and hostility amongst one another. Who is right? How should we live? And through those tension-filled moments, Paul was calling the Ephesians back to the focus on the work of God. He's saying Jesus accomplished this. Hostility was done away with. He said, Jesus himself is our peace. Are we experiencing peace in our relationships? How are we functioning with one another? How are we treating one another in the church? Unfortunately, social media bears out that we're not treating each other all that well in the church. There's arguments, there's disagreement, there's sarcasm, there's anger, there's cutting and mean remarks, back and forth. Jesus destroyed the wall of hostility. So why is there hostility in our life? In Romans chapter 8, Paul gives us insight into this question. And he says in verse 5 through 8, Romans chapter 8, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Paul illustrates something that's very important for you and I to understand. He says we cannot operate in the church in the realm of flesh and expect spiritual results. You say, well, what is this contrast between the realm of the flesh and the spirit? Well, the realm of the flesh is power. It's human strength. The way of the spirit is the cross. It's a self-emptying love. It's a message that 1 Corinthians 1 says is foolishness to the world. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul says when we try and function in the church, in the realm of flesh, when we bring all the world's patterns and thought process and molds and mindsets into the church, we're not going to have a spiritual outcome. He says we're not going to have a spiritual mindset. 
and there's going to be a present hostility in our heart, not just toward one another, but Paul says even toward God. This word hostility that Paul talks about in Ephesians that's referenced here in Romans chapter 8, it's the same word in Galatians 5 verse 20 when it's talking about the acts of the sinful nature used for hatred. It's that word that means an enemy, that there's opposition, that there is angst, that we're not experiencing peace and unity in the family of God. What's the answer? Well, Paul already told us that back in the book of Ephesians. He himself, Jesus himself, is our peace. How are we doing relationally in the church? Well, Paul says that window to the inside of our heart. That relational window within the church is revealing to us whether we're pursuing things in the realm of flesh or the way of the cross. Brothers and sisters, this morning, we need to look to Jesus. We need to see Him is the way, the truth, and the life. We need to look to Him as our peace, but not just as an intellectual ideal, but as a model, as a way of treating one another in the church. He is our example. And He, Jesus, our peace, is the way that we should live and function relationally in the church. A good question for each one of us to ask, would Jesus say what you say? Would he post what you post? Would he respond the way we respond? Jesus suffered in his world, and yet he functioned in a very different way than how the world functioned. Brothers and sisters, we need to make sure we do not bring the realm of the flesh into God's kingdom, but that we keep Jesus as the focus, as the model, as the example of our behavior and how we live in the church. Back in the book of Ephesians in chapter 3, Paul gives us this admonition. And it's the admonition to be rooted and established in love. And Paul's prayer was for the disciples in Ephesus, and he wanted there to be unity. In these strife-filled times, he wanted to see God's mission accomplished, that mission of one new humanity, one new family, something that was totally unique and distinct. And with that in mind, we read in chapter 3, verse 16 through 19. And Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul says that his prayer is that we would be rooted and established in love. To be rooted is, that's that agricultural picture of a plant and its roots are down deep so that even when the, the weather around is difficult, there's that nourishing strength that is operating each and every day of our life. Say, so those roots come from love. And then he talks about being established. That's an architectural term. That when you build a building, you lay that foundation. It's that strength that enables the building to be built higher and higher and higher. And in both cases, he says that those roots and that foundation are in love. But Paul says, you're not just going to wake up and be more loving. There is a spiritual work that God is doing in each one of us. And his prayer is that we can grasp this, that God does his work and that that strength is going to be present in our life. It's not going to be achieved in a human way. We need God to do his work on the inside of us. As he continues to reveal his love, that we see life in a different way. He says that we may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and deep and high is the love of Christ. It is so easy in stressful times to lose sight of that love. We can lose our moorings, our anchors, and we wonder where can we find strength? Right here. In the love of Christ. It's unfailing. It's unending. It's never left us, no matter how we feel. That love of Christ is an anchor that's present in us and around us each and every day. Paul's prayer is that we would know this love. That knowledge of that love is an experiencing of that love. It's not an intellectual understanding. It is where we feel it, that we are immersed in it, that we are aware of it, that we could say, yes, I felt that love. And he says, and that love surpasses knowledge. Question for you. What's the highest priority in your life right now? Is it knowledge? Or is it love? Too often, we get these things out of order. 
I want to read a passage out of Romans chapter 12, where Paul illustrates this point. In verse 1 and 2, he says, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Did you catch the order of what Paul said? He said, you offer your bodies as living sacrifices first. Then be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Second. A lot of times we approach this in the reverse order. And we want to you know, not conform to the patterns of this world. We want to make sure that we don't have worldly thinking. And we try and approach it by, by learning the right ideas, to read the right verses, to read the right books, to get the right understanding. And then once we have the right ideas, we want to live the right way. Paul says, now it goes the opposite way first. He says, we must be living sacrifices first. Then the right understanding, then the right ideas come second. Adam and Eve, the first humans, they knew the right understanding. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet desires trump ideas. And the same thing is true in our life. If we do not commit to the path of a living sacrifice, if we do not commit to the way of the cross first, the transforming of our mind will not happen second. We're not going to incorporate all the right ideas and then hope to white-knuckle it into behaving the correct way. It will not last. We've got to deal with the inside of who we are as men and women of God first before we go after the brain. So back in Ephesians 3, Paul says, this love that surpasses knowledge. So what is most important to you right now? Is it the right understanding? Is it the right ideas? Is it reading the right stuff? Understanding the right stuff? Or is it first the love of Christ? Which comes first? When push comes to shove, what matters more to you? right now. Paul says the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. If we want to function in relation in the church the way that God designed us to, love must be our highest ideal. And then and only then are we going to be able to pursue the right understanding in a godly way. 
Paul continues in Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 20 and 21, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That is such a great phrase. Great praise and thanksgiving to God. And yet often we lift that out of context and we just kind of read it as if it stands on its own. And really it applies in all situations. But what's the context? What's this, who's a, this God who's able to do more than we could ask or imagine? Paul's talking about the relationships in the church. God has power to accomplish more than we ask or imagine. If you're not experiencing great and powerful unity and love and connection right now in your relationships in the church, I've got good news for you. God is able to do more than all we ask or imagine. Let me repeat, God is able. We must remember that. This is a spiritual work. It's His kingdom. We're not going to accomplish God's work through human strength. We need God's power and God's Spirit at work within us. And we must choose His path if we want His results. Should we be surprised that the next thing Paul talks about in chapter 4 of Ephesians, in verse 1 to 3, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. He says, there is an appropriate way to live and function in relationship in the church. You cannot call yourself a Christian and then continue to function in a worldly way in relationship. He says, no, you've got to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. He says, be completely humble and gentle. You know, word sticks out to me in there? Completely. Because Paul could say, be humble and gentle. But when that word completely is in there, that's a different picture. The most prideful of people could find an example of humility in their life. And yet Paul is not calling us to have a moment of humility here or there. He's saying humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, that that must be complete. It must be total. It's who we are. And that we make every effort through the Spirit to keep the unity through the bond of peace. Paul says that is what we're called to. He says this is the life that's worthy of the calling we've received. He says we have choices how to function relationally in the church. In the church in Ephesus, they had challenges of how they were treating one another. And we too are sharing similar challenges. Brothers and sisters, how will you be? Will you choose to live your life rooted 
and established in love. If you haven't been experiencing this, if you haven't been treating people this way, we need to bring ourselves back to a focus on Jesus, our peace. If we're experiencing hostility in relationships, let that be a window to something else that's going on. Because Bible says that Jesus already destroyed that wall of hostility. So then why is it there? In the church, we're called to something different. And this morning's sermon is about relationships in the church. We have an opportunity to stand out and be different. To be something new. To be one and exhibit that one family that God designed. We need each one of us to make that commitment. To do what? To be a living sacrifice. To live the way of the cross. Not the way of the world. Not the realm of the flesh. That will never achieve unity in the church. So what choice will you make? I pray for the roots of love to grow deeper in each one of our lives. And for that foundation of love to be established each and every day in our life as we look to Jesus. As we live with complete humility, doing everything we can to bring about unity relationally in the church. This love surpasses knowledge. What's going on in the heart is more important than what goes on in the head first. The renewing of the mind can only take place if our hearts are fully committed to God's way. Let's keep things in the right order. Let's move forward united. Let's make the changes that we need to make to assure that we live life rooted and established in love.